running the Transamerica uh, fund part of obviously a corporate venture structure. 140 million was fund one started back in 2014. Since then, they've deployed over 60 million dollars across 17 unique companies, 26 deals. So about six of those have been obviously follow on rounds, including two deals that were fund to fund deals in Lear Hippo and uh, and uh, FinTech Collective. He's seen about 5000 deals per year, taking about 100 to 150 in person meetings, deep due diligence on 25 and about five investments in the one to five million dollar range. This is the top where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 units sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you want to get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing, though. This database, I keep it to myself. It's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Andrew Pitts. He's an investment manager at Transamerica Ventures, the global venture capital fund of Transamerica that specializes in investing in insurtech, fintech, and enterprise software companies. There, he has led the firm's investments in Policy Genius, Digital Currency Group, Everplans, Smart Asset, and Hicksme. Andrew, are you ready to take us to the top? <laughs> I'll do my best. Good man. All right. What is so? What does global venture capital kind of mean when you're, especially when you're doing it in a, in a corporate environment? Right. So our, our parent company, uh, Transamerica in the U.S. and and Agon globally, um, is, is a global asset management firm or global uh, insurance and investment firm. And so we act on behalf of the whole group. We have investments in in India. We have investments in Germany. We have investments. Our, our, our headquarters in the Netherlands. So my one of my teammates sits there. We look at uh, deals for Agon UK. We're looking with our Asia group, uh, and then obviously in the U.S. And, and Canada as well. And we're doing it just a little bit so far, starting with Brazil, um, because we have a, a group down there called Monjeral. Aegon. Um, they're starting to spin up operations there. And then again, there's all kind of, they're nothing in Africa yet, but they're, they're starting to look at expansion. And so we kind of act on behalf of all of them. And what's the fund size you're working with? Uh, 140 US. Okay. And, and do you, you obviously don't have to go like, quote, raise that because I imagine it's all from corporate, correct? Yes, that's correct. It was it was said at the beginning is this is what you know fund one will be 140. Uh, just recently, our executives have said this is going well so far. So we'll commit to a fund two. We don't have anything in terms of size, but uh, or anything like that. But they're at least interested in continuing kind of the experiment of a, a CVC fund for an insurance company. And when was the start date? Uh, it started, the first deal was done uh, February of 2014, I think, in a, in a fund, actually, just to kind of get access to the New York market and kind of spin up operations here and have some, some early deal flow and some early local partners for like seed stage fund. Um, but we our first actual investment was June of 14, which is right when I started as well. Got it. And so fast forward to today, three years later, started with $140 million. Um, how many deals have you guys done? Uh, 17 unique companies, 23 investments in those, uh, and I think about 60 million put to work. Okay, so six were follow-on rounds. 
Oh yes, that's correct. Got and it. Actually, one, yeah, yeah, they're all found. One was the same company, so we had a B and a C round for for Policy Genius. Got it. And so, how are you thinking about the investments? Is it more about getting information rights to help your parent company stay agile, or is it truly like a typical VC? You're trying to get that big hundred X return to to make the rest of the portfolio look good. Yeah, for us, it's 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 both. Um, I think if, if I had to lean a little bit, it would probably lean from the corporate perspective a little more strategic. Um, although when it comes to information rights for companies, we don't share company information with our parent company. We share industry trends. We share what they're doing. We share learnings from them. Um, but we won't share. We refuse to share revenue numbers uh, with our parent company. They don't they don't need that stuff. We don't want um, the, the corporate parent to be uh, too involved in the business because we want our, our portfolio companies to work with us and then without us as well. Go be successful with everybody else too because to the other side of the, the coin, we're looking at, at chasing returns as a venture fund. And so the best way for that is not to take, you know, majority stakes and be the sole uh, investor in a, a company and have them kind of build custom software for us. That's not a venture deal. It's to, to take minority stakes just like any other VC and, and you know, work with a startup, um, create those partnership opportunities that can be valuable, but help them grow uh, to the point where they can be, you know, hopefully you know, somewhere between, a, depending on the stage, a, a 10 to, or maybe a five to 50 or 100x. I mean, 100x is a pretty lucky shot, but uh, uh, it would be certainly a welcome lucky shot if we could get it. Have you had any exits so far? Uh, not a, not a, well, officially no. Uh, we had kind of an interesting. We had some of our fund. Oh, we had two fund deals, and they've had some exits that have been quite quite valuable for them, which you know goes on our books as well. Tell me um, what those I, deals I, look like. Like, what does a fund to fund deal look like for you? Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty simple with FinTech Collective, which was one of our, our I think our first deal. It was just you know we we invested in their first fund. It was a very small fund because Brooks and Gareth are, are experts in FinTech and they're great at the New York seed stage FinTech market and now kind of the U.S. FinTech market. And so uh, it was really to kind of back them to kind of get access to their knowledge and their experience and then also to um, their their deal flow and and they see sort of everything in that early seed stage FinTech space, which is relevant to us as well. And so um, they can do whatever deals they want, but eventually you know some of those deals become relevant to us um we're co-investors in next capital together for example um and they've put others on the table and occasionally we'll we'll shoot deals we're looking at by them for their insights because we respect their opinion and so um the same thing was done with lira hippo ventures um because my boss knew eric hippo when eric was at softbank my boss was running a deutsche telecoms venture fund uh, and they just have a good relationship and lira is kind of experts in digital marketing and, and that's highly relevant for a big insurance company trying to figure out how to attract customers of tomorrow and so, so what, what how much um, did you guys put in lira uh, I think it was a $2 million check. Okay. And what was the total fund size they raised? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not I, sure. I think that was fund for somewhere between 75 and 100, I think. I think their current fund's like 150. Okay. And what um, And what about the other fund to fund deal you said, the first one you talked about? How much did you put in that one? A uh, million dollars. Okay. Got it. And was that a smaller fund? Much smaller. Yeah. That, our first fund was uh, like 10 million or something. It was pretty okay. small, but they've got a current one raised that's significantly larger. And so they're they're on their way to kind of your traditional like, operators to early stage VCs to now they've had success with this fund um, and, and they've had some returns and, and they've had their on paper portfolios doing really well um, and then to go raise a bigger fund. And so they've had good success there. And so we're, we're pretty excited for Brooks and Gareth and their whole team there to kind of continue their, their growth. What was the name of that fund again? Uh, FinTech Collective. FinTech Collective. And they're only New York. Well, they're they're based in New York. I think they, they invest uh, across the U.S. In, in FinTech, but they're only FinTech. Uh, and so they're they're in all sorts of interesting fintech companies, things like Artivest, which helps uh, qualified investors get access to PE funds, and uh, Moneyline, which is a lending business that's doing really well. Uh, Our Next Capital, which is a robo advisor in the 401k space, it's it's got a lot of good partnerships. Um, so they're they're 
kind of all fintech and so which is again relevant for an insurance company how do you uh for someone listening right now that i mean you're, you're like we, we met in new york last week or two weeks ago and i got some of your more your backstory you know football in college clearly competitive <laughs> hustler uh great great kind of get, getting people connected you sent off many interests for me which which were super helpful um why do you do this like like are, do you see the do you get the potential upside just like a typical lp at a regular vc fund would like a two and 20 model like how do you get paid yeah, so I mean, I get a salary, and then we get uh, bonuses, which comes with the corporate structure. Uh, if we hit a, a Facebook-type deal, we'll have some type of long-term incentive plan. Um, because we're not investors in our own fund, we don't get carry in the in the traditional sense, um, and that's fine. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure I would invest in, in my fund right now, just because uh, we do a lot of good deals, but it's occasionally have to miss them because they're not strategic enough. Um, you know, the funny story we always tell my boss's previous life is, you know, he missed B round Facebook and seed stage ways and A round Skype because Deutsche Telekom said these aren't strategic enough to us. I mean, if you had an independent fund had done all three of those deals, you'd be a billionaire. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'd have your IRR would be like a billion percent or something, you know. And so, um, but occasionally we have to miss deals like that. And so I had my first one. Uh, recently, uh, we had a, a company called Moat that I really loved, but it wasn't strategic enough, and, and they sold that for the reported price was 850 to a billion, and it was a lot less than we had a chance at it. And so, um, the founder was incredible there. And so, I just, yeah, that's one that I wish we could have done, but we couldn't. And so, would you invest in your own fund when you don't have complete control, control. control over which deals we do? We just occasionally have to pass if it's, you know, again, we're not going to do the next Snapchat, right? Yeah. As much as that might be a valuable, awesome opportunity, uh, we're not going to do it. And so, um, we don't get carried in the same way uh, but um it's we, we did get it but they're, they're kind of talking about that they're, they're sort of figuring out is there a way to better structure this that makes more sense going forward and so we're kind of always having those discussions how many deals do you look at in a given month given month i mean if in a month i mean i, I, I can do like for like per year i'll see essentially when you when you add and i'll probably see somewhere like a hundred different opportunities per week, just reading newsletters and stuff. Um, so I'll see say 5,000 a year. I'll like actually look at maybe 500 of those, like a little bit deeper, like do a little homework on each one. That's what, like 10 a week. And then from that, I'll probably meet with 250, sorry, not 250. I'll probably do a little bit deeper dive on like 250, meet with, um, well, yeah, I'll do calls with maybe five a week. That's about right. Maybe, maybe five to 10 a week. So somewhere between 250 and 500 deeper meetings with maybe, a uh, hundred to 150 per year uh, where we kind of do multiple meetings and then you know we'll, we'll deep due diligence on maybe uh 25 and then we'll do like five investments that's really so, helpful uh, and, and so that's that's per year i don't know if i can break it down by no month, that's helpful each month. annually is helpful so, so okay good and then and then the average you mentioned you had done 17 deals so far 60 million deployed your average first investment is what about what size yeah, it's generally it's 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 one to five million. Um, we have one outlier with Cypher Cloud where we put twenty million dollars into it. So that's sort of a it kind of you know if you did a median, it would be a lot better than a, an average. Um, but it's it's generally one to five million will be our initial check size um, as, as a follow-on investor. And then uh, last question here before we wrap up with the famous five: pick a baby. Which of your investments right now are you most bullish on? Ooh, most bullish. I can uh, guarantee you all the CEOs are listening to, and you're going to get emails after this if you don't pick them, so no pressure. 
Well, I'm pretty bullish on on Policy Genius. Um, Jennifer's a, a rock star as a founder. She really is is a great founder, and, and I love her story because I know you know it's such a, a hot button issue right now. Um, you know, gender in the tech world, and Jennifer's not only in the tech world, but she's in the insurance world, which is traditionally male dominated, and, and she's doing a really good job with it. And so, you know, we invested at an A round, uh, and you know, the the B round is was was good by Revolution Ventures, Steve Case's fund, and yep. then the C round was just recent by Norwest. So she's had multiple follow-on rounds of funding and on paper that's that's marked up pretty good for us and so uh, I, I think that you know she's continuing to grow every month um, she's expanding her product lines uh, there's a lot to be to like about that one um, and then I guess if, if I had to you know keep kind of pimping our companies I really like Hicks me in the sense that it's one of the most unique health insurance insurance models I've ever seen. And so it's got a lot of challenges ahead. It's it's scary for corporate CFOs and, and HR heads to adopt this model um, because it's so unique. But if it works, if they can get that adoption, then that is a chance to be a huge company too. It, it's That was much more binary. It's either going to be worth nothing or, or a it's got a chance to be like a billion. But uh, Policy Genius, I think, will we'll have a good exit, regardless, whether it gets to, to a $250 million exit or uh, a $50 billion exit, right? It's got a chance to be be successful either way. Hicksme is more much more kind of binary but uh, it's a really interesting model um you know Kleiner's on the board there and so it's got some good investors involved and the ceo is knowledgeable so i'm i'm pretty excited about that one too and then h2o as well that wasn't my deal um, but my dutch colleague gets all the credit for that one as a predictive analytics company it's open source which scared the heck out of us in the start but they're signing seven-figure revenue contracts um, for an open-source tool, so that one seems to be really, really on the right track. There's a lot of people. There's it, a but... lot of people. Just as a side, uh, startup founders listening in. There's a lot of founders, especially dev founders, that don't have a business co-founder using open source as just brilliant lead gen, and then upselling mm -hmm. big contracts on top of that. Yeah, and it works. I, I didn't. I mean, Red Hat kind of pioneered that, right? Wasn't wasn't Red Hat sort yeah. of one of the ones? In the, and, and these guys are doing the same thing. And I I don't fully understand that business model. They didn't work on the transaction, but to those listening, yeah, it, it can work. I've seen it firsthand, and it's working well for H two O. Yeah. Last question uh, here again before we wrap up. I just thought of this one. If someone's listening right now and they have, you know, raised, you know, they did a they raised a first round of capital to invest in other companies of say five million like a year ago. They've deployed the capital. The fund's doing well. They're about to raise their second fund for say 30 million they have 20 million committed and they for some reason see a lot of strategic value in you maybe they're focused on fintech and they want to pitch you to put you know a million in as a fund to fund investment how, how do you make determinations on what kind of fund to fund deals to do okay so yeah that's uh our, ours it was all strategic, right? It was Lear was real early stage just because we wanted access to sort of their network and their digital marketing opportunities. And they put a ton of companies in the space uh, in front of us. FinTech Collective was the same. Um, but going forward, you know, most of our, our, all of our investments will be into technology, right? The goal isn't to do fund deals as good as those are and or can be at least. I mean, a lot of funds end up underwater. But uh, you can you can have good fund deals, right? Good returns from those. But the goal isn't to to invest in funds for financial returns. It's to to invest in direct technology and create partnerships as a corporate VC. So, so what kind of partnerships are you looking for? Anything that can help the corporate parent <laughs> save us money, make us money. Um, you know, it just depends. It, it could open new lines of business for us, open us into a new geographic region, uh, whatever that might be. And so, um, what are the know, top two U.S. regions you want to go into that you're not in yet? that for for us for the fund or yeah. I mean, I'd like to start doing more in Asia just because our Asian group, we have a new CEO of Aegon Asia and a new like um, head of strategy there. The head of strategy is a startup guy. 
Uh, and so he, he's really, really progressive and the head of Asia is really open to working with us. So there's a lot of good opportunities that can be done there. And, and again, there's like kind of that consortium of like 10 countries, Malaysia and, and I think the Philippines part of that and, and that Indonesia, where you have like hundreds of millions of people that you can reach uh, with, with tech products. You know, the Singapore government is really big on kind of creating startup opportunities there because you have so many people you can reach so quickly. And so there's, there's huge opportunities for quick scale that they're more difficult in the U.S. Guys, I get asked all the time, Nathan, you host all these interviews, hundreds of them per month. How do you do them efficiently? And guys, the answer is simple. People always agree to my calendar, back-to-back -back meetings. I batch my interviews to stay very efficient. And the way that I do it is I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. And the reason I use them is very simple. They keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders about when the interview or the meeting is coming up. And also, they make it very easy to schedule time, right? I don't have to go back and forth via email 10,000 times with people I'm trying to meet with. Okay, at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. It helps me so much. And by the way, look, I like have so many meetings. I'm the best at meetings, okay? I do them back to back, very, very efficient. You guys know me. Many people say I'm the most efficient they've ever seen. Okay, so I use the tool, it's so efficient. And by the way, I got Gavin, I said, Gavin, he's the CEO. I said, I want a great deal for my people. He said, Nathan, well, most people get a 14 day trial. Isn't that great? I said, no. He's given us a 45 day free trial at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. That's not gonna stay up forever. So go get it now. nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. There you guys have it. Andrew, good stuff, man. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, Venture Deals by Brad Feld. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? What can't be one of your portfolio companies? Uh, one I really like is, is again, the one moat in the deal I missed because it wasn't strategic, Jonah Goodhart. He's a, he's a class act all around. I was massively impressed with him. He was one of the first meetings I ever did and just massively impressed with him and, and not surprised to see his success with moat. And he was already successful before. So uh, I'm assuming he'll be successful again too. So um, also a big fan of Vinny Lingham from Civic. Yep. Uh, Vinny's a good guy. I like Vinny a lot. Yep. You guys, you don't have any exposure in crypto yet, do you? Uh, we're invested in Digital Currency Group, yep. um, who themselves, they own a ton of Bitcoin and Ethereum, which has been quite valuable for them. And their, their Bitcoin investment trust has crossed 500 million in AUM. So that's good. But uh, other than that, no, no direct exposure. All right. Number three is their favorite online tool you have, like Acuity Scheduling. Favorite online tool? Uh, I guess just kind of my collection of like newsletters. Um, Top yeah, three. Like, like Top three, uh, Fortune's Term Sheet, uh, the Mattermark Daily, uh, and probably for deal sourcing, Crunchbase's Daily of like fundings, deals that got funded. Awesome. Uh, no coverage, I, sorry, Coverager too for insurance news. I like Coverager a lot. Okay. Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Five to five and a half, six. <laughs> not a, on the weeknights, not enough. All right. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? Uh, single, uh, sorry, unmarried girlfriend, no kids. Okay. Got it. So, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not married, but with a girlfriend. And how old are you, Andrew? Uh, 30, 30. All right. Last question. Take us back to your 20 year old self. What do you wish he knew? Jeez. Oh, Is there like an all of the above option? <laughs> um, uh, I, I mean, boy, that's a, I'm I, 20 years old. I was, you know, a sophomore slash junior on the football team at Penn state, just trying to get through classes and play football and have a good time. Uh, I didn't know anything. I mean, I really didn't know anything except for 
uh, just I had a friend that, that kind of was successful in the entrepreneurial world and sort of opened my eyes to it. And, and uh, I wish I'd understood better then, or I wish I'd understood, you know, when I was 15 about domain names, you know, people <laughs> buying domain names and selling them. I wish I'd understood technology and kind of inherently, and I, I didn't. I had to kind of learn it actively once I got out of school. And so, um, you know, I guess at that age, I wish I had done better, understood better, you know, finance and accounting in the business world. There's, there's a lot. There's a long list. There you guys have it from Andrew. He selected E. All of the above <laughs> running running the transamerica uh, fund part of obviously a corporate venture structure 140 million as was fund one started back in 2014 since then they've deployed over 60 million dollars across 17 unique companies 26 deals so about six of those have been obviously follow-on rounds including two deals that were fund to fund deals and lira hippo and uh and uh fintech collective he's seen about 5,000 deals per year taking about 100 to 150 in-person meetings deep uh, due diligence on 25 and about five investments in the one to five million dollar range. Andrew, thank you for taking us to the top. Yeah, it was a pleasure.